Coming to you from WUGA in Athens, Georgia, this is AquaThread, a podcast that illustrates the connections in our world from land to water to people and everything in between. We work to bring you new voices and often underrepresented perspectives on many intertwined topics. I'm your host, Jenna Jambeck, an environmental engineering professor at the University of Georgia. In each episode, I'm joined by a rotating set of co-hosts, mostly in their early career, this episode, I have Taylor Madeline, a PhD student in our Circularity Informatics Lab at the University of Georgia with me. How are you doing today, Taylor? I'm doing great. I'm very excited about our guest today. This is definitely an area that is close to my heart. Wonderful. I always admire how dedicated you are about being as plastic-free as you can be. So I want you to, can you tell me more about how you got so good at that? <laughs> I, w- I would say it's still a work in progress. But um, yeah, so when it when I finished my master's degree and I moved back to Washington, D.C. from California, I had a serious cultural whiplash around the lack of availability of refill, reuse, and bulk purchasing for food and consumer goods. And I remember thinking at the time, this shouldn't be this hard. And I decided to start my own blog and Instagram account around reviews for sustainable products and stores that I found in D.C. And I called it at the time SUP-free DC, so SUP being for single-use plastic-free. But it was also sort of a play on words because I was really missing stand-up paddleboarding at the time because I did a lot of that in California. Um, Now that I live down here in Georgia, it is just SUP-free scientist. I love the name of your Instagram feed. (laughs) It it always reminds me of stand-up paddleboarding as well uh, when I when I saw it. So, well, how did you how did you go about start? starting to eliminate single-use plastic in your life. Yeah, and it can be overwhelming. So what I did to sort of break it down into bite-sized pieces was I started going room by room and just trying to eliminate single-use plastic items that I saw. So I started in the bathroom, and I'm proud to say I haven't purchased a plastic shampoo or conditioner bottle, body wash bottle, single-use razor, Um, or plastic toothbrush in several years. And I switched to refillable stainless steel shampoo, bar soap, reusable straight edge razors, and bamboo toothbrushes. And the toothbrush one was especially impactful for me because um, years ago, when you and I were in Chennai on a trip together, actually, I in remember India, this. We, uh, we visited a landfill there that is, is really just a breathtaking thing to see. And we were visiting some of the recycling villages in the informal waste sector that sort of exist around the edge of the landfill. And I remember coming across a bag, I swear, as tall as I am, that was just full of single-use plastic toothbrushes that had been sorted out by waste pickers. And I remember peering into the top of that bag. And from that moment on, I was like, I can never purchase another single-use plastic toothbrush and be part of this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was something that's part part of why I started with the bathroom. Um, but that was that was something that was really important to me. And, you know, as we talk about often, it really comes back to access. And so not only was it difficult to find those types of stores in D.C., but, for example, some of the grocery stores where you could bring your own container to get healthy food or cleaning materials without harsh chemicals were way more expensive And, you know, not everyone can afford to live like that. And so I was also really motivated to find accessible, affordable, and importantly, healthier alternatives when I was living there. Um, I've also recently moved towards slow, sustainable, and ethical fashion. I don't fancy myself a fashionable person, (laughs) but but everyone needs to purchase clothing. Um, And so I've really tried to make a conscious effort to only purchase clothing through sites like Mercari or Poshmark. That, you know, or use some of our great local thrift stores here in Athens or participate in clothing swaps, which one of our guests today here hosts regularly here in Athens. 
Um, and it's something that has been an adventure, but it's also been really fun to get into these different types of consumerism. I have to tell you another part of that toothbrush story is, you know, we were, I was being hosted by the State Department there. And so one of my hosts after that trip was like, I'm actually going to bring my toothbrush when I travel now. And I was, wait, wait, you don't bring your toothbrush, but do you, I don't know if you remember, all the hotels give you toothbrushes, which I never use. Right. But they were like, I'm just going to bring my own. And I was like, I always bring, you know, like I hadn't (laughs) even thought of not doing that. But I mean, it's so, you know, it, it, those are impactful changes. It really was. Yeah. So I think a lot about the fashion as well. I think it was 2018, one of the years I just committed to trying not to buy anything new that year. So trying to buy all my clothing secondhand. So I made a lot of purchases um, from local thrift stores or thread up. Although I did have sort of an exception if I needed undergarments or bathing suits at the time. (laughs) Um, But another thing, you know, I wanted to talk about on our National Geographic Sea to Source expedition where you and I uh, first met working on that. The fact that, you know, National Geographic helped get us all kinds of plastic-free items to try and use. So, um, because I hadn't had time to sort of try some of these things. So, powdered shampoo was something I found that I really liked. It came from a UK-based company, um, but I found a place in the U.S. to get that now. And then also when I crossed the ocean on a sailboat in 2014, I really tried to go uh, plastic free and and zero waste on that trip. We had 13 other women on this 72 foot sailboat. So many of the things I had gotten then, I had to order though. So I'm just excited to see more and more small businesses opening up, especially locally, um, to offer these kinds of items to to those of us in the community. So on that note, I am very excited about our guests today. Uh, I'm a huge fan of their work and their mission. And importantly, they show us that sustainable living does not have to be difficult or expensive and can, in fact, be fun, stylish, and rewarding. So I'm very excited to hear from them. Yeah. Right. So today we're focusing on handmade textiles, reuse, refill, and package-free shops. Besides this episode, I want to refer um, our listeners to the episode with Ellie Moss, who Catherine and Youngblood and I co-authored a paper with on her global landscape analysis of reuse and refill solutions. The paper is a compilation of living landscape that Ellie and her team developed. Um, It's at reuselandscape.org, which is constantly being updated. But here's just some interesting facts for everyone about reuse. So as of 2022, the database contained 1,196 distinct reuse and refill solutions in 119 countries in seven regions around the world. Of those, there were just over 1,000 solutions identified that directly facilitate reuse and refill. So this included 86 companies that also advocate for reuse policy. Just over half of these solutions are package-free shops, so about 54%, which provide opportunities for both reuse and refill. Well, I would say the concept of reuse and refills is quite old, right? Um, But 80% of the solutions in the database are pilots or startups, so indicating the desire for change of our current systems and the young age of this field. There's been nearly exponential growth for 10 years leading up to 2019, and it's no surprise the pandemic slowed some of the things, especially like the face-to-face growth of shops, but many other solutions kept growing and stores are increasing again. So today our guests are several entrepreneurs in this space. In Athens, we're talking to Taylor of the Refillery and Sustainable Shop, Totally Tailored, where I most recently purchased hair conditioner in a reusable glass jar and the cutest little scarf for our puppy. 
And then joining us from Costa Mesa, California, are Jessica and Chris from Ami de la Terre Market, a sustainable pantry and plastic-free store, basically a zero-waste grocery store for pantry staples. I'm very excited about this conversation. So I want to start with Taylor, the founder and lead of Totally Tailored Refillery in Athens, Georgia. Um, so not only is your company you know, focused on textiles and fashion and things like that, but it also offers sustainable home goods, personal care, pet care, jewelry, and literally everything in between. So I would love for you to tell us the origin story of Totally Tailored and how this all got started. I remember you telling me a great story um, <laughs> related to your mother and uh, how this all came about. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> it's funny. I was telling my fiance last night, how many times do I tell this story and how do I get used to t continuing to tell the story of how this business started? Um, we're going to be detailed. Um, so I think it's probably been about four years ago now. I wasn't really interested in sustainability. I didn't know how to sew. I had no interest in textiles. Um, needless to say, my mother had been trying to get me to sew my entire life and enjoy Hobby Lobby and enjoy Joann's. Um, but I actually, I think that was the first year that I too had decided to not buy any new fashion. Um, and so I was only thrifting. And so that was kind of my intro into sustainability. But I went to my mom's house just in Gwinnett County, so not too far, and she had been given stacks of more upholstery-style fabric, um, so like a canvas, and she makes surgical bonnets. So she needs cotton, something that breathes, and a friend had given it to her yards, like on bolts, and I asked her what she was going to do with it, and she was like, well, I'm just going to throw it away. Like, I have no use for it. It's just taking up space in my garage. And there was specifically a navy and cream colored stripe. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, you're just going to throw it away. This is so beautiful. Um, and I think her heart probably stopped when I asked her to teach me to sew. I was like, this would make a great tote bag. Um, and it was literally that less than a week later, she found a $25 sewing machine on Facebook, brought it to our like 500 square foot apartment in five points and we patterned a tote bag and when I wasn't sewing the machine went on a shelf because I lived in there with my partner and our cat and all the fabric went under the bed and I started making tote bags and it was funny because when I started sewing like I thought when the bobbin was empty you had to go buy new bobbins I didn't realize you had <laughs> you could just refill them um and I always tell people that because like they see my fancy machines now and they see my workspace and it's like anyone can start sewing and there was a point where I literally thought you had to buy bobbins every time they ran out like and that's so silly but that was the beginning. And I started putting them on Etsy. I got my first sale was to some random man in Texas. Um, and I was like, holy crap, like someone paid for this. Um, <laughs> and I remember asking him what stood out. Like there's thousands of tote bags on Etsy. Like what's so interesting about this basic tote bag? And he told me that he thought it was cool. I was using secondhand fabric. Mm. Um and I never intended to start the business that way. I never intended to own my own business necessarily. Um, I never thought it would look like what it looks like. And so it's really kind of funny that 
I never really intended to be sustainable. I never intended to be low waste or reduce textile waste. It's just kind of what I realized could make my business unique. Um, and my business advisor at the time always said, like, the riches are in the niches. And that was a niche. Um, and secondhand fabric is a lot less expensive. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that story. Sort of the accidental... <laughs> It was super accidental. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, well, I I follow you on Instagram, um, mm-hmm. and everyone should follow you on Instagram. Your your Thank your you. feed is great, um, <laughs> and I love to see how excited you get when you're like opening boxes of oh items for the shop. Thank you. Um, and part of it, I think, it, it, I mean, I see it as like normalizing reuse, refill, and plastic alternatives. Because they're not the norm right now. And I feel like sometimes it feels like our society like runs on plastic. Mm -hmm. So people are like, wait, what can you actually not, you know, have it? Right. And so what do you say to people who are sort of skeptical about sustainable products and making these changes? And then do you feel like the culture around reuse and refill is changing? I do think it's changing. It's interesting how many people understand the concept of the store when they come in before I really have to explain it. I did when I opened the store, I knew there would be a friction point of asking people to shop in a way they're not used to. And I remember talking to my fiance and and telling him, you know, if there's a restaurant that doesn't operate like other restaurants, I'm really intimidated to go inside. If I don't understand how to walk up and order my food, do I pay at the table? Do I pay at the counter? I'm less likely to go eat at that restaurant. And so I really thought about that for the business. People don't understand it. It's not hard. I think it's surprisingly simple. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've really worked on marketing, like, specifically to people actually who aren't interested in sustainability. I know that my customers who are interested in reducing waste, I don't really have to market to them. Like, Taylor would have found me regardless. Um, 100% (laughs) accurate. So I have reworked almost every terminology I use in the shop. You'll never see me use zero waste. You'll very seldom hear me say plastic free. I very seldom say low waste. I always use the hashtag. Um, And we are, well, we're not plastic free and we're not zero waste. We are very close to it. Um, But I've switched to terminology like non-toxic. That's a huge movement right now. The silly thing is it completely coincides with sustainability People just don't know that. They'll buy their non-toxic soap in a plastic bottle, and it's it's kind of counterintuitive in my opinion. But what I've really focused on is using words and creating products that are inclusive and interesting to every type of person, and it's been really fascinating. But when you tar- start talking about redu- like saving money, Like, let's stop buying paper towels. You are spending $500 a year on that. Like, I want to save you money so you can do fun things. And they're like, holy cow, you're right. Like, I want to save money too. Or I have a child at home and I don't want to use these harsh, like, laundry detergents. Well, these are all natural. They were made by a mom for her son. And so that's kind of been a really strong focus of ours. And I think what makes us different than a lot of refilleries and sustainable shops around the country. 
Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Huh, thanks. Yeah, I <laughs> know. I love that. Um, so I know that providing products from local vendors is really important to you and something that I certainly love about shopping at your store. So could you tell us a little bit more about that and how it has been working with the local community in Athens and why you felt that sourcing locally was such an important part of the business model? The thing that I've learned, I really felt when I opened my shop, a lot of it had to be local because I've heard from everyone in Athens, like Athens wants to shop local. They won't buy things that aren't local. Like it's such a small business centric town. But what I've really learned is I'm small business. I'm local. And they, I've created trust and confidence with my customers that they trust me when I bring in a product from out of state. And I say, this is this is a better option than what's local. And when something is made better locally or when I can start manufacturing it on my own, I will cut down on the cost of shipping because it's absolutely atrocious. Um, (laughs) But it's kind of pivoted. It is really close to my heart still to offer space for makers to pop up as a small business that started in Athens. A lot of like the local events are very expensive to be a part of. Um, And so I've kind of pivoted more to that. I don't need to necessarily offer full-time space on my shelves, but I can still offer growth and share my space with makers to pop up and use, you know, my customer base to maybe help them grow if if they're interested. I do love the pop-ups. They're fun. (laughs) I think they're so fun. It's nice to have variety. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so I recently saw on social media that you said you lost some followers. <laughs> so this is speaking of making things in-house, when you talked about reusable washable pads, I purchased them and used them when I did that sailboat, mm-hmm. uh, Ocean Crossing, and the ones you make are so cute. Did this response, I mean, you know, who knows if it's an exact correlation, right? Mm-hmm. But I, I saw that you, you know, you said that. Um, and so did this response surprise you? And then has there been anything else that has surprised you um, through, you know, the process of opening and running the business and hopefully some good surprises as well? Yeah, I think the pad response was interesting. It was both a little surprising and not. I think, like you said, correlation is not always causation um, or vice versa. I never get that saying right. <laughs> um, but... I think what happened is I had hosted a small giveaway previously and it got an influx of followers who maybe didn't follow me for my business. Mm. They followed me for the giveaway, which I don't typically do a lot of them because of that reason. Like you grow in followers and then you lose an influx. It's just fluid. Um, And so I think that's what happened is they were probably like, wait, what is this? And then, oh, yeah, I'm not actually interested in sustainability. And it Mm. was a bulk number. Um, And on the flip side of that is I've really grown to not care about my following because I might post a reel that gets 300 views, but I'll have five or six people come in from that video and spend money. I have no idea that they interacted with it. And my online, I don't make online sales. My online sales are garbage, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) But so that was, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. but I have had I've had a few surprises. It's been pretty fluid, I would say, and, and pretty consistent. Um, I've had really good surprises. Like I said, the amount of people that come in knowing what the business is. I when I opened the business and would tell my family about it or tell certain customers that I got to interact with, a lot of people would be like, what in the heck? Like, what is that? I don't understand 
But when I opened my doors, my first sale was a refill. And I had an older couple come in that day with a box of jars jingling and they came for refills. Um, The amount of people over 60 that come in for refills. um, Those are all interesting to me. And they're surprises that I guess I realized I wasn't alone in the idea of the store. I've had a lot of people come in and say, you know, I thought about opening this type of business in Athens. Athens needed this. Um, And so that's been a really nice surprise the the just the response um i'd say honestly the worst surprise that i have found is just the cost of stocking refills mm. yeah. it is wicked expensive um you know i buy 10 gallons of hand and dish soap and with shipping it's like $500 um which is why you don't see a lot of refill options on the counter because i didn't pull that big of a loan to start the business um and i was kind of like oh okay like yeah, this costs a lot of money and it takes time for your return because people buy in smaller quantities. And so I knew going in based on an informational interview I had done that refills would not be the fine. That would not be what keeps the business afloat. You can't run a business based just on refills. I the money is just not there. Yeah. Um. And so I kind of knew going in, but I didn't expect the amount of money that needs to be fronted to put body wash on the refill bar, which that is makes why it's me not sad there. that you say you can't <laughs> run a business on refill. Like that's yeah. just not right. Like this doesn't seem right, right? I mean, I know yeah. you're saying it's the reality of the it's economics. It's the reality of the. I'm economics. saying the econ- I don't. I don't like that <laughs> economic <laughs> situation. Yeah, I'll just put it that way. It's it's interesting, and when you see other refilleries close, my heart would break at first, and then I would turn and say, you know, but but were you accounting for the cost of shipping into the price of the product and where are your, you know, do you know your profit margins? It's hard to run a community-based business and also operate it as a corporation. Um, and so that's just, I mean, you know, you come in to buy hand soap and it's $8. Like, yeah. But my rent is much, much more than that. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. So getting back to the consumer for a minute. So you talked a little bit about this in terms of the way that you market to different audiences. But what would you say are some of the biggest benefits to consumers for shopping sustainable and refillable? I know you mentioned things like, you know, cost savings mm-hmm. and thinking about the harsh chemicals and that might be included in some things that are packaged in single use plastic. But what would you say to consumers that are thinking about, you know, getting into this or might be skeptical about it? You know, what do you see as the biggest benefits of shopping like this? Um. I think like and maybe more specifically to our store, the benefit of shopping is the the community that you join. You know, it's we're very inclusive. We focus really on like we're not shaming. And that's a really hard thing for people. Like That's what a lot of people come in and they're very defensive. Um, And I think that the zero waste movement has done that to a lot of people. Um, Yeah. But I think it's just fun. I tell people, like, I'm like, you know, you can compost this. I'm not super, like, quote, unquote, granola. Um, but how cool is it that this toothbrush will become dirt? Okay, it's just, <laughs> ma- I'm like, I just told a customer the other day, she looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, it's magic. Like, it's just pure magic. <laughs> um, and when your compost is balanced, you can stick your head in it, and it smells just like the most purest part of the earth. It's microbe magic. It's it's I amazing. Um and it's so funny because I just, 
I mean, people who make my good friends, like I'm just, that's not really my personality. Like I, I'm, I'll never camp, you know, like, <laughs> like you'll never find me and Zach in a sleeping bag. Okay. Like, but I just think certain parts of it are so magical and I think, too, what I always tell people is you're having to slow down and be more conscious of your consumption. You have to realize, like, oh, I'm running out of soap and Totally Tailored's closed on Sundays. That can spill into your personal life. Like, I tell people, like, if you start slowing down in your consumption, you'll find, like, more patience and you'll slow down in other areas of your life. And it really just bleeds into every aspect of your day to day. And I think that's really just something people need just to just to chill. I can absolutely relate to that, especially in terms of, you know, planning around when I'm going to refill something or mm-hmm. when we're running low on something. Um, and I find it almost therapeutic. Like mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely a planner. You know, I, I love love me some color coded spreadsheets, <laughs> um, but I find it really, really sort of soothing. But then also it's just so rewarding from my perspective to be able to refill like that. Like it's yeah. just, I, I find the whole process really rewarding. And I think the fact that you said fun is really important too. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Jenna was saying about your Instagram feed, like I think shopping like this, you know, has to be fun and yeah. rewarding and, you know, it has the added benefit of saving you packaging and saving you money. Um, but at the end of the day, it has to be appealing and it's, you've definitely done a great job with that. I think you touched on this when you were talking about some of the economics of, of the store or of your situation mm-hmm. and, I mean, I think starting a business is hard no matter what, but I would say there's probably fewer young women starting businesses. I'm sure you're underrepresented in this space. So I'm wondering if you can, um, you know, you've talked about some of the challenges. Maybe you could talk about any advice you have, you know, for others, either in this exact space or other mm-hmm. entrepreneurs. It sounds like you've met with advisors and things like how did you I know? I have a really great business coach right now. Okay. Um, but it was a magic. She found me. Wow. I got really lucky. Um, My first business advisor was the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center, uh, which is a free resource. Uh, They helped me get QuickBooks. They helped me get my LLC. He taught me how to pay all my taxes. Um, They have really amazing resources of finding the demographics in your area, where people are spending their money, what they're spending it on, things that cost us money to access. Mm. Um, And there's SBDCs all over the country. And so that's where I started, and I found my business coach at the only chamber event I've ever attended, and I was standing alone, like, very intimidated because it was me and a bunch of white men in banking who had beef to pick with me about my business cards because how dare a sustainable business have a business card? And... Ellen came up to me because I was standing alone eating some food I didn't really like. And she was so moved by my business that she she I'm not her target client. She works with businesses much, much larger than I. But we meet at Hendershots every couple of months. And she just loves what I do so much that she works with me pro bono. Um, Amazing. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how to recreate that in other people to find that same sort of magic. So I think just finding a really good support system. Um, I've had to get tougher skin. Not everyone's as kind as you guys, um, especially on the internet. And it's okay to like be sad and to struggle and also to ask for help. It's a fun thing I'm getting kind of better at. Um, But, you know, 
you have to set boundaries. You can't grow a business from an empty well or whatever they say but that I realized that in December I I closed the business for a week impromptu the week before Christmas because I I found my burnout and it was not a very pretty experience but my fiance reminds me that you kind of have to find your limit but in that time like have people around you that you trust and take breaks you don't need to be open every day of the week you don't have to be accessible all the time um, I'm still learning that because if you message me on Instagram at 10:30 at night, I will respond, and that's probably a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a network of people that want to support you, and you can find that within your customers. Um, you know, my customers give me so many words of affirmation, and I'm so grateful for them because they bring me flowers or like just come in and talk, um, and that's that's really important to have and to build. Love it. I think that's I think that's great advice too. Like as you said, even if it's not the exact same type of magic, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's lots of different variations of magic, but that sense of community and seeking out mentorship and yeah. asking questions and asking for help when you need it, I think is so important. That's all such such great advice. Love it. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. Um yeah. we're going to we're going to we have one more question for you at the end, but okay. We're going to um, welcome our next guest all the way from across the United States in Costa Mesa, California. Jessica and Chris, welcome. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> thanks for thanks for joining us today. We're so excited to have you with us. I love that you both were studying plastic pollution at UC Irvine. I saw this, I don't know if it came up in my Google feed or somehow social media, but I, I saw the article on you all in the LA Times. And then, yeah, yeah, based upon (laughs) like what you were seeing in research, you, you know, decided to become entrepreneurs and like, you know, get into the space in a very applied way and, you know, open up the the zero waste store that you have. So you're kind of being the change that you want to see. So I would love for you both to share us um, your origin story. Yeah, well, that's funny that you say that quote, because that's, um, I wanted to get that tattooed on my arm for like the (laughs) longest time. Um, I've, I grew up in Orange County. So this is kind of where I come from, Um, grew up going to the beach every day. um, And just started noticing the plastic that would litter the the shoreline. Um, And so I wanted to be a marine biologist and um, got all the different um, schooling in, in that sense, marine bio and masters in oceanography. And now I'm in this PhD program and, um, every sample that we've taken from the ocean has plastic in it. Um, even when we're not looking for it. Um, and it kind of started to feel like what could, what could we do that would make a more tangible difference because being in a lab and looking at this, you know, droplet of water under a microscope and telling each other about it didn't really, didn't really do the trick. Um, and then when, when COVID hit a lot of the, um, the bulk sections closed down at supermarkets. So that's where I was buying most of my, most of my groceries. Um, and then I started ordering 25 or 50 pound bags of things like flour and beans to our house. And when I say house, I say tiny apartment that we live on on campus. So 
it kind of started to become just stacks of bags. And when we needed beans, Chris would have to go in there and find the bean bag on beneath, you know, five other 50 pound bags of something. <laughs> so it became a little ridiculous. Um, but that was all in the effort to avoid small single use plastic packaging of all of those items. And we had this realization over a cup of coffee, like we could open a store because then we could get all this stuff out of our pantry. <laughs> um, this is giving me bad ideas for a garage at home. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of where that came from. We have absolutely no business um, training whatsoever, but we just kind of, we just kind of went for it. I love that so much. So I, I am also currently a PhD student, uh, also got my master's in marine biodiversity and conservation, so I can completely understand where you all are coming <laughs> from. Uh, and I really admire what you all have done in terms of, you know, turning that knowledge into action. So I also encounter so many things in the field where I would love to get hands-on experience implementing solutions. I mean, I, compl I completely can empathize with that sentiment. And I'd love to hear from you all if there were any specific schools, specific skills from graduate school that have been especially helpful for you all in starting this business and getting into this world. Um, I, I guess I would say really in, in starting a business, no, we were, we were, we were lost. We were, we were swimming <laughs> in an ocean uh, and we really had no clue uh, where to go. We didn't really have uh, a mentor in mind or somebody that could really point us in the right direction when we started. We eventually stumbled across people that would would help us uh, along our way. But I think the biggest thing that that we had going for us is just uh, uh, like tenacity and research. We 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 knew where we wanted to be, and we just made sure that we we didn't leave a single stone uh, unturned. Even though some things ended up being unturned in the end, uh, we tried to be as thorough as possible in contacting the state and making sure our taxes were good and making sure we had uh, all the right forms filled out and we were talking to the city and, and doing all the right things. Um, it was it was, it was was eye-opening. Uh, you kind of just think, oh, I'm gonna make a, a few phone calls, we're gonna raise a little money and we're gonna, we're gonna start a business. We had no idea. Um, the extent of, of bureaucracy. Uh, and we actually have to take it like one step further than, than most refill shops, your home and body refill shops kind of um, just deal with, with the cities and, and opening uh, and that route. But we have to go deal with the health department and kind of get uh, scrutinized as, as, as a restaurant um, in a sense. Um, so it makes it a, a little bit more difficult. Um, but, but I think that helped us big time. And now that we're open, uh, I think uh, one of the, the biggest assets that we have is just the fact that um, we are uh, climate scientists. We kind of know how uh, plastics uh, affect the environment, how different aspects of the environment interact. So we're really able to speak knowledgeably when somebody comes in um, and, they, and they start to kind of pick our brains and, and ask questions as to why we should be concerned about uh, shopping in this in this manner and living this lifestyle. I, I really like that. It sounds like your research skills were helpful, and that's that's yeah. good to hear. Um, so, I mean, that's something that you know you were used to doing as as graduate students, and and probably helped with this. And just managing all those different aspects, I I hadn't even thought about the fact that with food products, you know, you'd be treated like a restaurant in in the sense of that you're handling food, and so you'd have to worry about 
all of that regulation and whatnot as well. So uh, my next question is, I guess, I, I don't, maybe you didn't even think about this or have expectations since this was sort of, you know, um, you know, an idea generated by seeing the problem, but is owning your own business sort of all you thought it would be? Or, you know, is it, is it not what you had expected? Well, it's, it's kind of, yes, it's kind of yes and no. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's amazing to get to go to this space that we created together. Like this, this was all in our heads. And, and I had this kind of idea that I wanted it to look like you're a, you're in a store in the South of France. Um, I had no idea how to make that happen, but I, I lived in France for two years. That's where I got my master's degree. Mm. And obviously this, the name of the store is French, Ami de la Terre. And so, um, which means friends of the earth. I don't remember <laughs> if I ever said that. Um, but I, I had this vision and we had these leftover, um, we had so many, so we got married last May and we saved um, all of our tablecloths, which are from Provence. And we had these um, centerpieces, which were dried flowers, um, sunflowers and lavender in cut champagne glasses or um, bottles. And we wanted to kind of reuse as much of that as we could. And so Chris transformed our tablecloths into curtains for um our cabinets and we have the the flowers as decoration in the store and so that we kind of went from that color scheme and extrapolated it out and I had no idea how to build anything so Chris really took what I had in my head and and created it I mean he built our entire store and so going in there every day is incredible in the sense that we made this ourselves and so that part I love um but it's it's a challenge because it's just the two of us um, and we're open five days a week and then we're also still getting our PhDs. So um, wow. <laughs> we're, we're there eight hours a day on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and five hours on a day on the weekend. And and people think, oh, that's great. You have Mondays and Tuesdays off and they're not they're not days off. They're just the days that we cram in, you know, school stuff. Yeah, uh, your school stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean. It's Can you nice. turn the store into your research project? That's what I, that's what I would say. I wish. Creativity. Right, right. You can display, cal calculate the displacement of all the plastic items that I haven't know. been used. We're, anyway. we're, we're working on it. It's funny. Um, some of the, some of the professors in our department are like, oh, you should uh, take on an undergrad and they can, they can calculate your impact and write up a, write up a thesis. Like, that sounds like, like oh, for us. Yeah, yeah. Another undergrad to babysit, but no. no. <laughs> I um, love that. Well, I, I also had my wedding last summer. And so I feel like we could have a whole nother conversation about yeah. trying to have a sustainable wedding. Um, Taylor, oh, yeah. when you, when you get to that point, I can give you lots of pointers, but yeah, especially when it comes down to, I mean, we were thinking about, you know, how can we use potted plants instead of flowers that can be, you know, reused and how do we, you know, rent all of these things and, and thrift as much as possible. And yeah, that is a, that's a wild industry as well. So if, um, if you want yeah. a cross country support group for, <laughs> for that yeah. and, uh, and also doing your PhD, you're just putting it out there more than available. Um, but That's I, I, one but more I, thing. 
Exactly. But I, I love that you all were able to to turn that into the store because I think, um, you know, as we were saying earlier, creating that atmosphere and that sense of community around the around your business and, you know, making it feel like, you're, you know, you're not just walking into another grocery store. You know, not only are you making a good decision yeah. for your wallet and for the environment and for your health and your kids' health, but you're also having fun doing it. And I hopefully I can get out to Irvine, Irvine one day and visit you all. I'd love to be able to do that. <laughs> yes. I just I definitely wanted it to be this place that even if you didn't know anything about plastic pollution or didn't care when you walked by, you thought, oh, that's so cute. I want to go in there. Yeah. So. Well, and I think that that message of, you know, reaching lots of different people and meeting them where they are, you know, not not pushing a certain narrative or, you know, shaming and blaming like we were talking about earlier and just sort of you know, figuring out what's going to resonate with different people and, you know, getting getting that those products in there and that mentality in there wherever you can is so important. So I I would love to to hear from you all. What's next? I mean, apart from, you know, getting getting your doctorates, it sounds like you have plenty on your plate. But do you have any sort of fun news or updates that you can tell us about for the shop? And what are some of your future goals for the business? Um, yeah, I mean, for sure, we're hoping to, we're, we're hoping to finish our PhDs in the next several months. So that's kind of a lot on our plate. Um, I just made a cake mix that we're selling at our store. So we have a brownie mix. And so these are in jars that you can bring back and refill with the same mix. I can make it like live in the shop as you you know, look for other things. So we're doing, I made a, a fun Fetty alternative, you know? Um, so instead of buying it in the box in a plastic bag where we have it in a jar that's refillable. So that's pretty fun. I um, saw that I, on social media. I was media. just going to say, <laughs> I have I to like... say, I saw the video of the fun Fetty cake being uh-huh. mixed on Instagram uh-huh. and my mouth was watering. <laughs> I turned to my yeah, husband and was like, how do you favorite. feel about some fun Fetty cake this weekend? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was always my my go-to um cake when I was growing up. And it was just my birthday last week. And I thought, oh, that would be so fun to do a fun Fetty mix for my birthday month. Um and then we're doing we're participating in an event called the Slow Market, which is a collective of like 30 local businesses and everybody has booths and you bring a few items from your store or maybe you're offering like um, services like um, facial work or body work, you know, in in the moment. Or um, so that's really exciting. I'm excited about that. Um, get a little exposure, meet some more local businesses. Yeah, I guess the thing we're most excited about is just uh, wrapping up this program and freeing up a little bit more time to to do some more mm-hmm. community engagement. We really wanted to. You know, when we opened the business, we wanted to be doing beach cleanups every weekend or every two weekends, uh, and and we've made it to to a couple of them, right? So uh, we really want to free up some time so that we can do those things, which we we also think are, are very important. And then you know we can also spread the the brand a little bit to to people who really think the 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 message mm-hmm. matters. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that that's a lot to juggle and and. Um, hopefully you'll, your, your defenses will go well. I know they will. I know your defenses will go well. (laughs) So for our final thought, I have, um, uh, a question that we, we ask of everyone. Part of the reason we bring on guests is to hear different perspectives, we know that the, these larger systems will only change and adjust in an equitable way 
if we have representative perspectives and voices at the table. So in terms of, you know, thinking about reuse, refill, and zero waste, what voice would you say is either missing or would you like to see amplified in this space? And as a second part to that question, how do we make that happen? Um, let's start with Jessica and Chris. I think honestly, just from from our experience at our store, it's it's kind of the general public. Um we have kind of two camps that are already shopping here, very affluent people that are very concerned about um, eating organic food or like giving their children healthy food without any microplastic contamination. And then we have the people that you could call a little more granola that are, you know, already very aware of the problem. Um, but what's really missing is everybody else. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine for some people that this is even an issue when when they're dealing with other things like being able to afford to buy eggs or you know uh -huh. um it's kind of the last thing on their mind um so to make it yeah what were you gonna say i was just i think about like the the person that we're missing is 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 your average person that's walking down the street and they notice the piece of trash on the ground but they don't pick it up right and it's just like it's just it's it's a part of life. It's it's where we are. It's the status quo. There's plastic in the environment. What can we do about it, right? So, um, that's that's kind of our difficult part. Where can we? How how do we bridge that gap? And how do we reach those people and 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 get them to realize that it, it's a it's a big issue and it's actually very important. And then beyond realizing it, making Acting, it right. like, yeah. or just give having them have the ability to act on it or the time to because it's an extra step you know you come to our store refill your grains and beans and then you still have to go to a grocery store to get your milk and produce or you know mm -hmm. yeah so it's I mean there's a lot of people it's not really a choice right I mean it's almost like they don't have the choice because of all the other components of their life and so how yeah. how can this become more accessible and reachable for people that, you know, just don't have the luxury of the time and, and some of the exactly. other planning. I am not a great planner. I'm an okay planner. <laughs> it depends. Depends <laughs> upon what it is. If I am excited about it, I'll plan for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, so thank thank you for those thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. So same question to you, Taylor. Um, in terms of reuse, refill, um, trying to be low waste, what voice do you feel like is either missing or would you like to see more amplified in this space? And how, in your opinion, do we make that happen? Um, I think on the scale of like our store in Athens, which is really what I, f I focus on, is I, I want to amplify the voice of our customers because if, if you see, like we have such a wide range of people that shop with us, they all have different backgrounds they all have different interests they look different they are different heights you know they we have such a wide range in our customer base and I feel like when you see yourself like you see someone that looks like you doing it you're like oh wait I can do it too like there's nothing really special about me specifically I just happened to open the store um and I think I get a lot of customers that look like me because they see me doing it and so for me, I really want to focus, and for the growth of our store, I think amplifying the voices of the customers who shop with us and why, because you might hear your why and realize, okay, that's reason enough, or that's 
you know, I can do that because they did that kind of thing. Um, and I think that's something we're going to work more on. That's fantastic. I'm re- really excited to see you do that. I think I think both of these responses in terms of sort of access and, and seeing yourself reflected in that and some of the reasons reflected in that, that you make these decisions and that you're able to do this, I think is really important. So uh, that's that's our show for today. Um, I want to thank all of our guests for joining us. Thank you so much for your time. For me, it's so inspiring to hear from young entrepreneurs working to make a difference in our world. Um, I want to tell our listeners we're going to post links to both of the stores on social media and the show notes. We encourage everyone to be reused and refill curious and to follow them. And we look forward to all of your future projects as well. So to all of our listeners, thank you for taking the time out of your day to join us on the AquaThread.